Hey guys, welcome back to Aimstone channel. I am with the one and only Brian, UK Bitcoin master. Of course, he's from UK. Brian, how are you? I'm very well, Andre. I'm really excited to be here chatting with you. I'm excited to be chatting Bitcoin with anyone, actually. So good to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. So for the start, maybe you can give a little bit of your background and how you got into Bitcoin. Well, you know, I tend to talk to the regular working class guy out there because that's my background. I mean, um, I left school at 15 with nothing. I hated school, couldn't stand learning. And um, I then sort of bummed around job to job, really all menial, driving forklifts, working on building sites, you know, that sort of stuff. I was, I'm uneducated, got a lot of pr pretty pictures on my arms. And um, then I, when I was old enough, I got my... Um, truck driver's license, lorry driver, we call it in the UK, truck driver overseas. And I did that for over 20 years of my life. And uh, I loved it. I didn't want to do anything else. I literally didn't. Uh, unfortunately, um, I got a really pretty serious illness, which I won't go into now, but um, I still carry that illness with me today. I've had it for 42 years now. And um, that stopped my my trucking job for want of a better word um spent several years watching my first wife struggle to keep our home pay our mortgage and everything else while I could barely walk and um long story short uh, in 96 somebody asked me to look now this is going to be where the haters come in at an MLM business and I'm not going to talk MLM and I'm not going to shill MLM, but this is what I am going to say to the Bitcoiners out there. Bitcoiners are quick to jump all over um, what I call crap coins, call them scams. And I'm as much guilty, you know, of that as anyone. I, you know, will get into that. Um, but equally, in the MLM industry, there are tons and tons and tons and tons of MLM scams uh, where people make a load of money off gullible people that join them. But then, like Bitcoin, within the MLM industry, there are a handful of companies that are over two billion in size. And the company I found from Arizona is one of them. And it's been very kind to me, Andre. Uh, it's given me uh, a residual income for 27 years um, where I haven't needed to go out and work for anybody else. I help other people achieve second incomes, etc. Now, why is that relevant to a Bitcoin conversation? Because people say to me, I can't afford to dollar cost average. I can barely afford to pay my bills, never mind put any money into Bitcoin. And I then turn around to them and I say, then here's what you need to do. If you believe that Bitcoin could give you and your family a better life, find a way to develop yourself another income. Go out and get a second job, but find a way to put something daily, weekly, monthly, whatever it is, into this over a period of time, like a savings plan. And, you know, I never, ever, ever say, oh, I've got something that might help. But I know I have. I've got over 3000 people in my global team and many of them come to me just to join to earn an extra two or three hundred pounds or dollars a month, you know, to pay the bills. So I know I can help them. I know I'm not scamming anyone because, you know, the people that come into my team, if they work harder than me, they earn more than me. So I don't have a problem with it. And I, I love MLM. I've been in the one company 27 years. Uh, but I believe that Bitcoiners are the same. You know, we go and just tread down, you know, something that we won't research. We won't learn what makes it work, how the pay plans work in a good company. Very much like Bitcoin, I think, really. If people do the research and they dig in and learn all about Bitcoin, they learn why Bitcoin and not crap coins, if that makes sense. And it's the same with what I've been doing. And in all honesty, Andre, my wife and I had retired in 2015. Um, and we moved from the UK down to the Canary Islands, a small group of islands just off of the, you know, North Africa. And um, I thought I was there to retire and never work again. I'm, I'm in my mid-60s. And it was then that I got this really strange call. And this guy called me from the UK on my phone and he said, can you jump on? I mean, no, I know him, you know, but I, he said, can you jump on Skype? And I went, but I'm around the pool. The sun's out. What do I want to get on Skype for? He said, you might want to get on Skype. So I did. And that was in May 2017, May the 23rd. And I jumped on Skype. Now, my wife, who's a great 
advocate of Bitcoin. She supports my channel, supports my show, always in the chat, moderating and stuff. So we're on board together, which is unique because a lot of couples don't have that. Yeah, and um, so my wife came and listened. And of course, this guy started to talk to me about Bitcoin. Andre, I'm going to be absolutely honest with you. As a boomer, I said, what's that? What is it? And he said, you'd never heard of Bitcoin. I went, no. He said, you'd never heard of cryptocurrency. I said, what the hell is that? What a strange name. What is that? I knew nothing. Honestly, nothing. And it was then that he spent about an hour and three quarters. He um, talked to me about it and money and inflation and, you know, all this sort of stuff. And a lot of it was going over my head because I don't have a financial background. I'm a regular guy. But what he said, Andre, made sense. It made sense enough for me to jump on my computer in 2015. So we're now eight years ago, nearly nine years ago, which is really frightening, and do some research. And, of course, I came across Andreas Antonopoulos. And um, I dug into some of his. And I think... By, I think, three days in, I had five coins. I think Bitcoin at the price I bought was just about $2,050. Now, everyone's saying, oh, golly, aren't you lucky? I believe 10 years out from now, people that bought a 37K, you know, the people that are buying in a decade will be going, oh, aren't you lucky to buy a 37K? It's all, it's all relative, I think. But So I bought several at um, 2K. And then in 2018, we loaded up on a load more at 5K. And we've literally held that now for six and a half years. Um, and, you know, for me, it was always a 10-year goal. So a roundabout way of sort of giving you my background, Andre, um, I just happen to believe that and Bitcoin is the one shot that humanity has got that we don't want to mess up of hard, sound money as Jason Williams in his book said, that they can't F with. So that's where I'm at. Got it. So you bought your first Bitcoin at $2,000? Yeah, 2050, actually. I've still got all the receipts. Yeah, that was like uh, mid, early to mid-2017, I believe, right? It was, it was earlier than, yeah. Yeah, yeah me too. I bought my first Bitcoin mid-2017. I believe it was like $6,000, but then I keep buying until... It reflects nineteen thousand dollars in late twenty seventeen, and then we went to this bear market. I just I never sold, and then I think I continue like dollar cost averaging. My lowest uh, purchasing price was twenty eighteen, like three thousand five hundred dollars when Bitcoin that was actually like the bottom three thousand two hundred dollars, and then I just continue like dollar cost averaging, and I never sold actually uh, any of my Bitcoin. What about you? Did you sell any? No, <laughs> no, no. I've got every sat. I've got awesome. every sat. It's it's uh, stored away from my home. Um, people can come and bang my front door down. And unfortunately, we're going to need to drive about 100 miles. And then it's not going to be easy for them to get it. So please come and try. Um, so I've locked down my, my, my security. Um, I'm very mindful of my OPSEC. So I've done everything to obfuscate, you know, my my home address, my contact numbers, emails and everything. So, um, you know, I always say that if, if they want your Bitcoin, they'll find a way if they really, really want it. What, what worries me more than anything, if I'm honest, um, my wife thinks I'm crazy with, you know, all the security on my Mac and everything that I do. Um, I, I worry that maybe a hacker put something on your machine like a key locker or something and then it lays dormant there and you know you don't plug your hardware device in for maybe five or ten years you think everything's cool yeah. you go and plug it in and wonder why your balance is zero that's the real scary thing uh, for me i shouldn't be scared and i i teach people family members etc you know how to store their bitcoin securely but you've done it you know when you go to move something and it doesn't show up instantly like it does with your bank and you and your heart starts racing you start thinking of right. a done something yeah. wrong we've all been there and uh you know the more the more you've got the more dollar value it holds the more scary that is when you do it so it's locked away somewhere safe yep so you have a hardware wallet i believe i do yeah like cold storage awesome yeah me too i have a ledger and once i remember i check i usually don't check very often my ledger maybe like once a month or whatever and once i checked it that was like balance zero i'm like what the hell <laughs> but then it's uh quickly updated and to this regular price of like, oh my God, what the hell's going on? Doesn't but, it make you feel sick? Doesn't it make yeah. you feel sick? Yeah, it happened once, but like, 
I don't want to see that again. <laughs> no, no, it, it's horrible. And, and, and I think we're still so early that, you know, the user experience has to get better. It has to improve. But, you know, that's, that's with time. Innovation's coming at breakneck speed. And, and I'm sure all of that will happen. So I'm pretty cool about it. But it's scary. Yeah. Okay, Brian. So uh, let me ask you a next question. Why uh, Bitcoin? Why do you invest? Why do you believe in Bitcoin? Do you know something with me? There's no straight answer. So I'm just going to have to say it as it is. When I bought my Bitcoin, I for I thought I'll diversify. You know, you hear this word. So I got, I don't know, I think I bought seven Ethereum. And um, because I didn't know any different, Andre. And I sat on them and did my research. And I came across a, a channel called um, Bitcoin Meister. You may have heard of him. You may not have heard of him. Um, I mean, huge channel. And I came across Andreas Antonopoulos and Bitcoin Meister from, from Baltimore. And when I heard Bitcoin Meister, I thought the guy's either loopy, he's either totally crazy and lost his marbles, or he's totally onto something. And he was being interviewed and he was screaming about Bitcoin and this and Bitcoin that. And anyway, I started following his channel and I followed his channel. He went live every day for... I think I followed him for nearly six years solidly before he decided to, to back off and not do videos every day. And he made just so much sense. And I learned lots of things. You know, he taught me, you know, divisibility, portability, scarcity, you know, immutability and all the words we've all heard over and over and over. And um, so for me, I very quickly got the you know, Bitcoin was being talked of as different to everything else because Satoshi had disappeared. So there was, I, I quickly got the, the weak link, you know, the weak point. So if you've got a company um, that's got a CEO and offices, you know, okay, great. The company might be great. Their idea might be great, etc. But of course, if a government wants to co-opt that, they can simply walk in, take the computers, arrest the CEO, you know, we've seen it play out, haven't we? So I saw that as an attack vector or a weak point. So when I learned that, you know, Satoshi had disappeared, I thought, well, that makes complete sense because what are they going to do? Go and arrest the CEO of Bitcoin and, and they can't. Now, that said, when I got into this in 2017, even in the run up to December the I think it was 13th when we hit the top or the 17th. I can't remember. 19,800 or whatever it was around there. Yeah, I was still calling my family saying, this thing's going to the moon. You've got to get in. You've got to get in. You've got to get in. And of course, a lot of them bought. And then what happened? We went the other way. And then we had eight, 2018 and 2019. But where I am now, I've been through two bears now. Okay, and I'm Zen with it all. It doesn't bother me. Sure. You know, there's a heck of a drawdown when you look at your, you know, your dollar amount of what your BTC holdings are worth when you see it go down. But I decided long ago, Andre, that this is for my children, my great grandchildren, their great grandchildren, my grandchildren. Um, so if I get something good out of it at the back end of my life, great. I think I will with what's happening. Um, but really, as I, I'm, I'm in tune with Sailor, and that is never, ever, ever sell your Bitcoin. Never, ever sell your little percentage of global money that can't be ever printed, you know. So there's so many things that made me quickly realize it's Bitcoin, not crap coin. Sorry, I don't use that other word. Um, and I, I just decided I got rid of my ETH. I turned it into Bitcoin. Um, and literally, if somebody says to me, do you hold any altcoins? I have to say, no, there isn't a wallet kicking around anywhere that's even got some dust on it. I swept the lot because I wanted every sat I could. I claimed my my Bitcoin gold. I claimed my B trash. I claimed my BSV. I turned it into Bitcoin, you know, and I've just literally sat on it for six and a half years. Um, I claimed actually free hex you know you got the hex airdrop now hex is a scam to me but if you had bitcoin you got this airdrop which i claimed and i sat on it locked it up for a year and i thought well if it goes to zero i didn't have to pay for it i got it because i own bitcoin anyway and then once the unlock period comes i'll if there's anything left i'll get out and i'll turn it into bitcoin and i did and i'm not going to tell you how much but it was a large amount it was in the thousands and I bought Bitcoin with it. So I did well. I, I, I never, ever would promote 
something that Richard Hart's behind. I just wouldn't, yeah. okay? The point is, if somebody's going to give me something for free and I can turn it into Bitcoin, I'll take it. Thank you. Because I'm not talking about it. I'm not saying it's got any value, but it didn't cost me anything in the first place. So if it does do something and then I can get out when it's unlocked and turn that into more Bitcoin, way to go as far as I'm concerned. Way to go. And that's exactly what I did. So today you can try and find any wallet you like of mine and see if there's any dust on it. As far as I'm aware, there's nothing bar Bitcoin. 99.99999% recurring strong Bitcoin holder. Yep, 100%. You're doing very well. <laughs> so for me, personally, why I decided to go into Bitcoin, like before Bitcoin, I was like very like hardcore Warren Buffett, deep value investor. I yeah, yeah. not buy anything like overvalued. You, have, you always have to look for intrinsic value. But then one of my friends suggested me like look into Bitcoin and like first, like out of the bat, I realized that it was like very speculative. I do not want to get into it, but then as I start learning more and uh, simultaneously I will study more economy, what's going on with inflation, with dollar debasement and so on and so forth. Then I realized that Bitcoin can actually be like a hedge against a potential like dollar collapse or like credit collapse. Yep. And of course, like inflation. So then uh, yeah, I just start uh, buying more Bitcoin. And um, also I think Bitcoin is way more superior money compared to gold or even like fiat currencies, Bitcoin has all the properties that gold has, like a unit of account, divisibility, fungibility. The most important one is, of course, storehold of wealth for a long period of time. Like gold survived for many um, thousands of years for a reason. It's not, it did not happen by accident. For example, like rocks or any other like, like metals, they uh, failed as money because of the properties. And I believe Bitcoin has even better properties than uh, gold. So, um, yeah, that's the reason why. Agreed. Yeah. Try taking a bar of gold through an airport lounge. <laughs> Try slicing a corner of your gold off to buy a car. It's yeah, just not going to happen. Yeah. You know, it's it's not the money for the modern world in the 2020s. You know, there's nothing wrong with gold. You know, and I'm very much with uh, Larry Lepard. I've met him in person. What a lovely gentleman. Mm -hmm. um, I'm very much with him that you know, Bitcoin and gold are sound money they are fighting for sound money the problem is if if you're looking to preserve value then there's nothing wrong with gold if you're looking to prever, you know um, preserve your purchasing power but if you're looking for wealth creation gold isn't going to give it you know if you're looking for an asymmetric upside then you have to look at why bitcoin can give you that where gold can't but they're both sound money i just think that over time, the gold bugs are going to see this. I, I struggle with people like, I call him Shifty Pete. I don't want to give him airtime, but um, I struggle when I saw him, when you interviewed him, um, that, you know, there's something going on. Either he gets this and he's stacking like mad and trying to suppress the price. Uh, and also, of course, he's got a gold fund. So, you know, he's not going to shoot himself in the foot. Uh, or he doesn't get it and he's totally stupid, which I don't think he is. He certainly understands you know, macroeconomics and the, the, the rubbish that's going on out there with what the, the money printer and everything else, he gets all of that. Um, but I just, I don't understand why he he wants to hit on it all the time. I mean, there's a whole army of them. I tweeted something yesterday, it had Paul Krugman on it, it had Shifty Pete, you know, Jamie Dimon and all those names that you... <laughs> anyway, yeah. go on, carry on, sorry. I think with uh, Shifty Pete, there is a conflict of interest because, of course, he has... Like a gold fund, he does not, I think he stated not so long ago that his uh, gold sales like were down like 60% year to year. So I think it makes sense if Bitcoin going to go up, then his sales going to be like diminished and like maybe at one point of time he will go, uh, like has to close his business or of course it makes sense for him to promote gold, not Bitcoin. Yes. But, yeah, it does but, make sense. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know why he, I like, like Larry Lapard, he, on both sides, he also has like his gold fund, but simultaneously he likes Bitcoin and gold. So it makes a lot of sense. But Peter Chief, he, he's like very close minded, I think like delusional person. 
<laughs> you shouldn't say that you've had him on your show but he does strike me as that I've got a tweet actually I think it's about two years old now where he was you know beating up on Bitcoin and I think I responded back with something like um, I'm not sure how well your comments are gonna fare so I'm keeping that for five years and I've got a, an alarm to you know, ping me when the five-year anniversary of that tweet is up and let, let, let's see who wins, who's right, who's wrong. And I'm not saying I'm right. I simply feel with everything that I've learned over six and a half years. And Andre, I spend, my wife will you know, validate this, I spend probably, I would say to be conservative, two hours every morning and two hours before bed and I follow several podcasts religiously, including yours. And I watch them all and I learn. I love all your you know, little animations and stuff. I wish I could do that, but I can't. And I follow these people and it helps me to build a picture of where I'm at, where my wealth is at, what I should consider. You know, I, I even watched uh, watch a few analysts like Invest Answers. You know, Corey Clipson really slammed on him and called him a scammer and everything else. But, you know, he is a trader. And I believe that most people shouldn't trade because they're going to get totally wrecked. They really are. Unless you're in the, in the in crowd, you haven't got a cat in hell chance. But what I watch him for is what he's saying about the trends of where Bitcoin is going to go and what might happen with Bitcoin. That's what I'm interested in. If he does a face-off as he does you know, with, say, I don't know, something like Solana and ETH, I never watch it. I just turn right off. I don't want to watch it. I'm, I, you know, and, and for those out there that are, you know, you know like altcoins, et cetera, et cetera, I've got nothing against that. I'm okay with that, but don't talk to me about them. I just personally think that altcoins, you've got the VCs come in, then they pump it to death, and then the retail come in, they dump the bags, the retail get dumped. If that doesn't happen, the SEC are going to jump all over them and, you know, do what they do. And um, I just think that they dilute Bitcoin's global adoption. They, they just push it out further and further. And I just, I just think that everything ultimately is going to be built on top of Bitcoin. You've already got a lot of innovation that has now moved away from altcoins and are now starting to build layer two and three on top of Bitcoin. So I just think that is going to, over time, just get faster and faster. You know, when you look at the likes of Jeff Booth and his ego death fund and you know, all this sort of stuff, I mean, it, for me... It's just so exciting. The only the only issue is I wish I was your age, not mine. But you can't change any of that. Um, but you know, I say to anybody, you know, just get off zero. Just for goodness sake, spend an hour or two and just watch a couple of pods I can send you a link to, and at least open your mind to the fact that this thing is getting worse and worse and worse, and people are getting poorer and poorer and poorer. Look, I'm old enough, Andre, to know that there was a time when, you know, one person like me could earn a living, have a mortgage for the family, the wife could stay at home and bring up the children, which is what, you know, my wife initially did, my first wife, and, um, but those days are gone. You've got two family incomes now and they are still getting squeezed and they still can't afford to have their heating on and they still can't afford to eat decent food and they go to the cheap shops that we've got here and they buy this absolute mass-produced full of rubbish food that, you know, is slowly killing us. And, you know, so the world is getting worse and worse and worse in terms of, you know, monetary value, debasement of our currencies, etc. And I just say to people, look... If you want to step out of that and give yourself half a chance to turn that around and get more purchasing power, then have a look at what Bitcoin can offer. And if I can just say this, Andre, uh, I was at a, um, a, we call it a baby shower. I think it came from the US and now they do it here. And, and I'm just about to be a great granddad for the first time. And my granddaughter invited me to the baby shower and I went to the baby shower and I was talking to a family member there and this family member has just had uh, a lump sum inheritance from uh, their loved one their parent has just died and I said to them and I won't say he or she I'll just say them and I said to them I'm never going to get the chance to say this to you again but here's what I'm going to say to you get one bitcoin right now Ah, I can't afford to do that. I need the money. I need the money for other things. 
I said, I'm never going to say this again, but I'm telling you, in three to five years, you're going to come to me and say, I made a right mess up, didn't I? And you are going to. And it was just, this is what people are like. I know, I don't know the inheritance, but one Bitcoin would have left that person several tens of thousands. And it was the pushback. And, and why? They won't take the time to learn why we're saying this. They won't understand that if you got some... Why do people pay 68 million for a Mona Lisa? Because it's scarce. And I, 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 anyway, I've done it all. I've, I've tried it all with them. And, you know, I love my family to death. But if they're not interested in listening, you know, I hate the memes, have fun staying poor. But they'll have to. Right. So this time, what I try to do, instead of tell them, hey, go buy yourself a Bitcoin, uh, thank me later. What I'm trying to tell them, hey, maybe you should go learn about Bitcoin first. Because he's got a Bitcoin you... wallet on his phone with about 500 quid in uh. it. <laughs> <laughs> so he's listening, but he's just not prepared to make. Listen, I've talked to him about putting some away every payday. He's got a good income. What it, oh, I said it now, he, <laughs> with what he does. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. So all I've tried right. to do is lead the horse to water, and I can't make the horse drink. So it is what it is, really. As you said earlier, we have basically a failure of monetary, monetary system. And I believe in the 1930s, like, average house was drowned, like, $4,000 while average salary was at around $2,000. So within two years, you could afford technically house. Yeah. And right now, average house were like $450,000, $60,000, while average salary is like $60,000, $70,000, which you have to make like, uh, save for like uh, 10, 15 years to afford the house, which makes like totally like no sense. So that's why the people well, should buy I, Bitcoin. i tell you what I feel. I've, and I had Preston Pish on my show. I interviewed Preston Pish. And... Um, he said something on on the interview, and he said, the challenge is the majority of people on planet Earth to learn about Bitcoin is an inconvenience, and it gets in the way of their television. That's the reality. Most people, and I said this, I didn't want to learn at school. I hated school. But the moment I stepped into Bitcoin, I just couldn't stop learning. Isn't it interesting when you find something that you've got a passion for, you can't stop learning. And, and the books I've read, absolutely crazy, you know, from the Bitcoin Standard to the Creatures from Jekyll Island. I mean, crikey, that is one heck of a book. I'm about to start on the mandibles. Um, Jason Williams is Bitcoin money you can't mess with. I won't use the F word. But, you know, so all of a sudden when you find a passion, you want to learn. And I, I just I, I, I struggle with why people don't want to open their mind to something that could give them future wealth. I, I struggle with that because, you know, we've got a mentality here in the UK, and I'm sure it's the same in America, where people drop two pounds on a lottery ticket, hoping they win the millions. When the challenge is, if they win the millions, within three to five years, they've blown the whole lot and they're back where they started. Because you've got to learn about money. You've got to learn about how to make money work for you. And that's a process. So for me, it's not just learning about Bitcoin. Over six and a half years, I've learned about the Federal Reserve, how it came into existence, etc. I've learned about the money printer. I've learned about, you know, the war machine that is all the money we spend, our country spend on sending our troops to wars to, to kill them. And it's all about making more money for the war machine. You know, you learn so much more about the world and then you start to understand the role that Bitcoin can play in that world. And for me, I just find it absolutely fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Now, listen, I'm going to say this. I'm not Peter Schiff. I'm not British Hoddle. I'm a regular guy called UK Bitcoin Master from the UK who stacked a load of Bitcoin six years ago, decided that I had something to offer boomers and started a YouTube channel in May, April 2018. And I thought, I've got other things I'm doing. I'm pretty busy. So I'll just go live twice a week, every Monday and every Thursday. And I believe that Somebody may go and watch something like a Simply Bitcoin or they may go and watch a Swan or a Preston Pish talking with Robert Breedlove, something like that. I saw that one with Breedlove. Well done. Um, and they, they listen to five minutes and they think, oh, that's right over the top of my head. I can't get my head around that. But they might find a channel like mine that is low key, 
Bitcoin signal, few news articles, a few great tweets, a video of the day, 30 to 35 minute show that people might sort of say, yeah, I like this. And I've started building a following of people that say to me, look, you know, if I want to go and get tech stuff, I'll go to Simply Bitcoin or I'll go to Swan. But yours, it's inspiration. You know, you've got a great little community growing. And that's why I do it, Andre. That's why. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, what you just said that, um, like, you learned about, like, Feather of Zero, how it was created. What I recently learned that, uh, like, the main money creation happens not in the central bank, but in uh, retail banks. And I just learned, I mean, I heard about that a long time ago, but it did not click. So what it clicked to me recently, for example, if you um, buy a house, you take mortgage from the bank. So uh, what I thought the process was that a bank lends you a money, but the reality, they do not lend you anything. They just create money out of the thin, thin air, and then they, they just uh, give you the money for the house, and then you just pay interest for the, for the next like 30 or 20 years, which is like- They add it to their balance book, yeah. their balance. <laughs> yeah, so they do not lend you anything. They just create money out of the thin air, like retail banks, which is uh, crazy. There was, there was somebody that said it, in the US, and I, I might butcher this quote, but it was something like, if the people knew what was really going on with the governments and banks, there'd be an uprising by the morning. I think it might be Henry Ford or someone said it, but it's true. Most people have, look, hands up. Before I discovered Bitcoin, before I got that call, to me, inflation was just everything, prices going up. That's not inflation. Inflation is an inflation of the money supply. But I had to learn that. And most people, they don't only not know about it. They don't learn about it. And even if they were taught it in school, it's too boring for them. You know, but of course, we've got this Keynesian economics. In, and now we've got the Austrians coming out more and more, which is, you know, where I'm at, really. Um, people just don't want to learn about it. You know, they just think, oh, I can't be doing with all of that. You know, I'll be OK. I'll do some overtime and I'll survive. I don't want to get poorer and poorer and poorer over time. I don't want to live in a totalitarian state where, like in China, you know, it's your facial recognition when you walk in. You don't need to pay by a credit card and your credit score goes down if you're late for a payment or you ran a red light or, you know, you said yeah. something bad on Facebook, which I will don't use. Um, you know, all of these things, I, I want my escape route from that. And I absolutely see Bitcoin as, as Christine Lagarde said, the escape valve. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, I say to people, anybody watching this, if you have any Bitcoin on an exchange, on a custodial wallet on your phone, get it off and get it onto a hardware device, because only then do you own and control the bearer instrument. Otherwise, you're going to get wrecked. You really are. You know, Wallet of Satoshi have just done what they've done in the US. Now, you know, they say it's only the US, but, you know, I've, I've, take, I've swept it into Phoenix Wallet. I just don't want to take the risk. I keep some on there. But for me, Andre, every single sat counts. So, you know, if anything is has a CEO or there's a company or a board or whatever it is, you don't want to be getting involved in it. Just buy and hold Bitcoin on a hardware wallet and then get on with and enjoy your life because you blink and in a heartbeat, you're no longer in your 20s or 30s. Like me, you're in your mid-60s and you wonder where it went. You really do. People say that all the time. My dad said it to me and I, you know, when I was in my 20s and 30s, it was sort of, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it goes so fast. It's, it's frightening. It really is. So buy your Bitcoin, hold it for the future, don't sell it and then get on with and enjoy your life. That's my take 100%, anyway. 100%. Yeah. Another very fascinating thing about uh, Bitcoin that uh, Bitcoin is decentralized and people do not truly understand what that means. Like Bitcoin has been in the market, I believe, what, 2009. So that's 14 years. And uh, Bitcoin has not been hacked for 14 years. But if you look at the like centralized entities like banks or even government, oh. they get it hacked all the time. So that's another, I think like decentralization could be one of the most like important uh, like functions in bitcoin yeah and i don't i don't think people understand that whatever a particular nation state does let's say they ban it you know bitcoin's global 
It makes. Yeah. And I remember. I, I lose track of time, but I think it's about two years ago now where China kicked out the miners, and um, you know everyone was saying, "Oh, you know China, you know biggest nation on earth, or whatever they're saying is, you know, is kicked it out, and Bitcoin's going to plummet. That's the end of Bitcoin." They're still mining. I think 20% of the Bitcoin hash rate, I believe, or I might have butchered it, but it's around that figure, is still coming out of China. You know, it is decentralized means, and, and I run a full node. My full node is running over in the corner. It's been running for two years, and I literally forget it's there. I really do. And I am doing my little bit as a node to verify, yeah. verify all the transactions I've done. For those that don't understand this, you know, you download the entire Bitcoin blockchain. It took about nine days for mine to download. And now it just updates every 10 minutes. You know, it's running all the time. And I am helping secure the Bitcoin network. So yeah. if you've got tens and hundreds of thousands of nodes around the world that are verifying all the transactions, well, good luck trying to come to everyone's door and take our nodes away. <laughs> they they haven't even got enough manpower to keep up with the the, the HMRC, the you know the inland revenue here in the UK. Never mind send you know forces out to every single home and knock a door and say, "Do you run a Bitcoin node?" Good luck with that one. <laughs> Not happen, so. Yep, a hundred percent. Brian, uh, do you um, run your Bitcoin node on your laptop, or you have like a desktop computer no a build your own raspberry pi 4 two terabyte hard drive i, I bought all the, the equipment on amazon and i mean to be honest with you andre um i had some help building it um from a good friend of mine in california um but now i look back on it it's it's like so simple to do but it, like anything it's like try driving a car for the first time you know and you yeah. you've got to use all these levers and those pedals and try and steer the steering wheel and do it all at the same time and you crash into a hedge well and then all of a sudden you've been driving a couple of years and you do it on on remote control when i look at my node now i know that i could from scratch go and build another node because it's so easy the hardest part is flashing the sd card with ballerina etcher or whatever it's called but you know that's that's a piece of cake when you know what you're doing so for me i decided to buy the components on amazon build it myself and it just purrs away. The only issue I had was the fan got loud and I bought another casing and it's been sat there for a year. And, you know, even now, I mean, I went the whole hog. I bought what we call an ups machine, which is a like a battery that plugs into your mains that if your electricity goes down, if you if you kill your, your full node, you can wreck you can wreck the drive or corrupt it. So now that, you know, if the electricity goes off, I get two hours of electricity running to the node only. And so, it, it, you know, it's low powered so that thing can run and give me time to switch it off, um, you know, so I don't corrupt the hard drive. Um, and it's absolutely superb. Again, I think I paid 120 quid for it, but it was so worth it because we get loads of I don't know what you call them. I think you call them surges where the electricity goes off for like 10 seconds and it comes back on again. Well, that's enough to corrupt a hard drive. So I went the whole hog and got the ups battery as well. And. It's beautiful. I mean, I, I've got my, I've got it. I, I run the Umbrella node. Um, I've got it set up so that I can actually access it when I'm away from home using the Tor, the Tor network. And honestly, I love it. I mean, as a 64-year-old, it's just reinvigorated me learning all this tech and learning about Bitcoin and decentralization and everything else. Honestly, I'm fascinated by it all. And you can clearly tell I'm extremely yeah. bullish too. Brian, so um, going back to our previous topic, um, Bitcoin versus gold, why do you think Bitcoin is superior and why people should more focus on Bitcoin rather than gold? Well, I'm going to say it again. Um, gold is a good method of keeping your purchase in power. Okay, it is. And it's got a history of 5,000 years. Nothing wrong with that. But it's, it's, I always say... It's very much like, you know, all all the people crying out that we don't need dirty motor cars. There's nothing wrong with a horse and car. OK, you have that transition period. Everything's done on the Internet now. Our computer is on our phone. It goes everywhere with us. You know, most countries now have got, you know, we've got data bundles, unlimited data in the UK that, you know, that it doesn't cost very much at all. As Jeff Booth says, everything's trending downwards in its cost. Um so, you know, 
I, I, I said it a few minutes ago. Honestly, try moving a bar of gold across borders. Just see what happens when you get to the airport. You know, you're, you've had it. You know, you're going to be arrested. Um, there, there was a recent, some, a load of gold moved recently. It was all over Twitter and it took like two weeks and hundreds of men and, you know, millions of dollars to, to move this batch of gold, a pallet of gold or whatever it was. And yet you can take $10 billion, you know, with 12 words in your head through an airport lounge. So is that a not a big enough reason? I always tell this story in terms of trying to send value across continents. Um, we, are, we have a group of us on my show where we, we have a, a 21 million club meetup once a month on Zoom. We chat on a Saturday evening. We have a glass of wine. And, you know, we were on there and there was a chap joined us from 180 miles north of Scotland in the North Sea. He was on an oil rig. And he joined us from his computer. And one of my friends down in California, we literally set him up with Wallet of Satoshi and we sent him value in about 15 seconds and his jaw was on the floor. You try doing that with gold. Bitcoin crosses all borders and it is unstoppable and it's uncensorable. Now, you can lose your Bitcoin. Your Bitcoin wallet can be hacked if you're playing around with websites on your computer. You shouldn't be or, you, you know, be, be very mindful of all of that. Um, but Bitcoin hasn't been hacked. Not only that, Andre, if the price of gold shoots up, I tell you right now, they will mine more of it. They reckon they can get it off asteroids. They'll be digging up the oceans. They'll find a way to mine more gold. You are never going to be able to make more Bitcoin. They can try. You can have a fork of Bitcoin. But if the miners and the node operators don't go to that chain, then that chain dies. We saw it with Bcash or Bitcoin Cash, as they wanted Roger Ver wanted to call it. It died a death. If you look at it compared to Bitcoin, it is trending to zero. It really is. So they can try all they want to fork it off. But consensus won't let them unless it's a good upgrade for Bitcoin. So, you know, 21 million scarcity. OK, nobody can verify how much gold they don't even know if there's any in Fort Knox. OK, so nobody can verify exactly how much gold there is. We don't know how much of it is in jewellery. It's lost its monetary premium, in my opinion. If you think about it, gold demonetized silver. And I believe Bitcoin is going to demonetize gold. Why? Because people don't want to hold a bar of gold. As the boomers die off, crikey, don't say that, I'm one of them. But as the boomers die off and they pass their wealth down to their younger generations, I get mixed up with Gen Z and Gen X. I don't know what they all are, but um, basically they've been surveyed. I think over 75% of them said, we want crypto. I hate crypto, but, you know, let's call it Bitcoin because I'm a Bitcoin only guy. The point is, as the generations die off, the new generations are going to want digital money. That's what I think. Now, here's the thing. Yep. People push back and say, ah, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, if, you know, Bitcoin's 14 years old, why hasn't it become money yet? They don't understand. And there is no um, proof of work, no get down the rabbit hole and do your research. It's understanding that a new innovation okay you could take the iphone you could take the ipad it doesn't matter um first 10 years maybe up to 10 percent adoption next 10 years maybe another 80 percent adoption and we're in that next 10 years right now so you're going to get the crossover period where you're always going to get the paul krugmans you're always going to get the jim kramers of the world and the shifty peets of the world and the jamie diamonds of the world but it is doing your own research understanding the scarcity of bitcoin Andre, and here's one thing I haven't mentioned yet. Around 4 million coins are gone forever. If you, not you, Andre, but you watching this right now have not heard the story of the young man from Wales in the UK that threw a hard drive into a landfill site that had 7,500 bitcoins on, he got a team of experts around him last year, including the racing driver, Pete, uh, Richard Hammond, from a, a, an iconic program in the UK called Top Gear. Um, and Richard Hammond got involved with some experts that had heat-seeking equipment that could go down into landfill sites and it could find hard drives and get the, 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 coin, the keys off of hard drives, even if they're corrupt. They raised 11 million, I believe, in crowdfunding. 
He was going to give his local council 50 million on getting his Bitcoin back. And at the time, his Bitcoin had a value of 320 million and they denied him. And now he's going through the courts to try and push to get it lifted up. They're probably gone forever. Satoshi's million coins are locked up. People are still losing their keys even today. So the way you've got to think of it, in my view, coming from a basic regular working class guy, is you can end up maybe 17 million coins. And you've got to divide 17 million coins by 8 billion people. It is coming. The tirade of money is coming. ETFs, you know, my friend calls it a trifecta. You've got the ETFs are going to be approved. You've got the halving coming up. You've also got an election year next year in the US. But on top of that, you've then got the money printers going to have to go burr at some point. Otherwise, they're going to collapse economies. Put them four together. If you don't see a $1 million Bitcoin coming before the end of the 2020s, well, I do. I don't make price predictions, but it is coming. Get your Bitcoin, store it securely, and be patient, is what I say. Yep, 100%. We also have like, a lot of rumors about potential Bitcoin spot ETF. Uh, a lot of people thought that it should have been approved by this time. What do you think is going on with uh, all those rumors? Um, look, um, we've all got our own opinions, and mine is nothing more than an opinion, so take it for what it's worth, people. Um, I just maybe think that they want to suppress the price until all these ETF applicants have got their ducks in a row. Of course, they want to get Bitcoin as cheap as they possibly can. Um, I, I, in all honesty, Andre, I don't know. I don't know what the SEC are doing. There's a part of me that says, you know, Gary Gensler taught this at MIT, for goodness sake. He knows Bitcoin. You know, does he feel that he needs to get rid of all the crap coins and clean it all up? And, you know, Bitcoin is the future of money and there's only, you know, winner takes all. Is that part of it? Are they manipulating it down? Um, do you know what? I just really don't know. I, I don't understand it enough to, to have a definitive um, answer, but it all runs through my head. All I know is if you listen to British Hoddle's take on, you know, the 118 to 1 um, metric that for every dollar comes in, it will go up $118. Uh, the, I think it's the former CEO of BlackRock said that when an ETF hits over three years, something like 150 to 200 billion will come into Bitcoin. We'll start getting a calculator out and see what that will do to the price. Um, I hate price predictions, but I do feel strongly that we will see a Bitcoin that is over a quarter of a million in late 2024, 2025. Whether we'll get a blow off top of half a million, then a 60% correction, I don't know. Are we, are we going to go into a super cycle now all the institutions are coming in and it goes up forever, Laura? I don't know. All I know is, and I said this to my family member the other day, so you've got 37,000, well, it's British pounds here, so about 31. Uh, you've got that sat in a bank. What are they paying you? He said, oh, getting 5% interest. I said, and yet even with Bitcoin in a bear market for the last couple of years, a brutal bear market, it's still returning around 50% growth per year. And you want to leave it sat and get 5% from a bank? Are you mad? <laughs> so, you know, I, I have no clue what it's going to do. All I know is I believe that myself and my family are in the right place at the right time to just batten down the hatches, hold strong. I, Andre, seriously, on my life, I am so zen when the price goes down. I was zen when it went down during the pandemic. I'm not going to say the other word with an L in it, but um, I, 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 and I, I've never been vaxxed, by the way. Hate me if you want to, people, but me neither. I, I think it's a total scam. Anyway, um, that said, when it crashed to three and a half, you know, totally zen. I always felt it would come back. I didn't have any more dry powder, as they call it, to go and get any more because I was everything's in, if that makes sense. Um, so, but I rode it back up again. We then went down again. We got to 16 or 15 and a half, and now we're back at 37. I am totally convinced that Bitcoin will smash a million and beyond. But people, 
it ain't happening next month. You're gonna need to learn to delay gratification. You don't need the Lambo. You just need to hold your Bitcoin because as the as the the players come in, Andre, I also believe that the innovation behind the scenes is racing at breakneck speed, and there will be financial instruments to securely hold your Bitcoin, but get a yield on them. The Lightning Network for a start. Imagine if you've got some Bitcoin and you maybe put three or four Bitcoins on the Lightning Network and you earn 3% just for giving the Lightning Network liquidity, but you still hold your keys. I mean, it's all coming. That's just something I've you know, sounded off in my head, but it's all coming. And I believe that the banks will ultimately... They'll bite your arm off. They'll give you crazy percentages to be able to custody some of your Bitcoin. But it's got to be in a world where you keep hold of your keys, if that makes sense. I don't know how that looks. I just know in my mixed up head that's all going on. And that's what makes me so bullish on Bitcoin. And, and keep in mind how many you do this on your show. How many addresses are there? A million addresses? How many people have got multitudes of addresses? I bet you there aren't more than 200,000 people globally that have got one Bitcoin or more. I mean, they're staggering. It makes me want to go and get a megaphone and scream it from my rooftops for people to wake up. But of course they won't. Yeah, Sorry, uh, I get really passionate about this. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not a big fan of yield. As, I mean, as you said, if you can get yield uh, by holding your keys. Oh, not neither am I. SBF yield and all the other yield. Yeah. Definitely no. No, 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 no. But, but if it's secure, it, yeah. yeah. I don't think it will be possible to hold your keys and simultaneously receive yield. But anyway, I think yield, as uh, Salfadin once said, it's a, uh, a cheese in the mousetrap. So basically you think, oh, right now I'm getting 5 to 3%, whatever. But then after two years, everything blew up and you got nothing. So... Uh, I would say, yeah, like keep your private yeah. keys. And it's got to evolve before I would even yeah. consider doing anything. I'm, I'm with Sailor, really, and that is hold your Bitcoin for 100 years, you know, down through the generations. But, of course, you know, we all want to have a decent life. Maybe we want to see the world, jump on a plane and meet some of our Bitcoin <laughs> friends the other side of the world. You know, so for me, I, I work on the 80-20. 80% of my wealth is for my descendants when I'm gone. And 20% is for my wife and I to have a fab retirement and do the things that you're supposed to do in retirement, yep. not live on bugs. 100%. Um, yeah, personally, I would like to, like, if Bitcoin goes to, like, two, 300K, maybe I will buy, like, an apartment in New York, but um, we'll see. <laughs> I don't want to spend, like... I need We've to all have, got like... a different agenda, haven't we? Right, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, I haven't spent any Bitcoin yet, but uh, we'll see what's going to happen in the future. And... Um, Brian, what do you think is going to be like a bigger catalyst, uh, Bitcoin spot ETF or Bitcoin having? Oh, crikey, that's a really difficult one. Um, you know, they keep talking about these diminishing returns, you know. So I think Sailor on a pod I watched recently was saying that, you know, Bitcoin was returning like 150 to 200 percent gains annually. Yeah, yeah. That's down to 50. So you could call that diminishing returns. Um, but of course, you know, if you're 50% on a Bitcoin is 100 grand, well, that's well worth having. You know, it's still a bigger return on the 50%. In terms of the ETFs, um, I, I don't know. I, I, just, I just think that the ETFs coming into play might give Bitcoin a massive initial surge. I think we're going to see, I don't want to offend anyone, but I call it a God candle. I just think people are going to wake up one morning and wonder what the heck happened, you know, when the things doubled overnight, you know. But then I also then believe then we'll have a little bit of a, a flattening out and maybe even a bit of a pullback. Uh, when, you know, all the hype of that's over before the ETF actually starts trading. And then I think it's totally off to the races. Each thing on its own, I couldn't tell you which I believe would be the greater catalyst for, you know, power, powerballing Bitcoin skywards. All, I, all I'm passionate about is these four things that are all converging together that I mentioned earlier. I think bring them together... And I just believe that, as Preston Pish says, you know, this is going to be face melting. 
This is going to be absolutely face-ripping when this thing starts to really, really go. Do we then do the 60% correction and then a bear market and go off again? Do you know, I don't know, Andre. Maybe we will. Maybe there'll be a couple of more, you know, cycles, if you like, before we see a super cycle where Bitcoin just keeps going and keeps going. My my worry is we hear people say, and each to their own, you know, when it tops out, you know, take some profits off the top. Here's my take. If you're going to take the profits off the top, what are you going to put that fiat into? Everything you put it into is not performing like Bitcoin is. So you're going to put it into something. So you put it in your bank. Now your money's being debased 10, 15 percent each year. What's the point of doing that, if that makes sense? You know, I don't want art. I'm not an art person. Um, you know, for me, I've owned properties. For me, now it's having the freedom to just jump on a plane to another country and live and pay rent for a year, two years, move on when they change their goalposts. You know, I want to be a digital nomad. I absolutely do. We're yeah, already <laughs> looking at a second passport right now because there could be times where wherever we live, we've got to exit the country for the way that the CBDCs are being rolled out, et cetera, et cetera. So in, in, in a roundabout way to your answer, Andre, I, I can't tell you which one of them I think is bigger than the other, but I do think the money printer coming on, the ETFs, the halving, plus an election year, I think all of that is going to rip your faces off with a Bitcoin price. That's just me. It's a very powerful combination. To it is. Bitcoin, so, yeah, well, it hasn't happened biggest. before, has it? It has not happened before. Yeah, that's true. And there's one more thing, if I can. British Hoddle says this. And seriously, I've learned loads from that dude since I've been following him. I've only been following him about nine months, actually. Mm -hmm. Pretty, no, less than that. I started following him when he started putting his face on YouTube and not just, you know, a voice on, on Spaces. And he was saying people keep talking about the supply crunch, but they're not talking about the demand crunch. And that's what the ETF's going to bring, isn't it? The demand for... One and a half million Bitcoins that are on exchanges. If you look at the metric that you're always showing and others where they show, you know, the hodlers are getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And the amount of Bitcoin on exchanges is going down and down and down. They're going to be squabbling over crumbs. And the long term holders. Now, here's the thing to consider. Sorry, it just comes out of my head here. The thing to consider is everyone's got a price to sell some Bitcoin. So there'll always be some liquidity. You know, even you said, you know, you might take some off the top and you won't be alone. There'll be lots of others. Maybe my mindset will change in maybe a year or two and decide to, you know, get rid of a couple of a million, a coin or half a million, whatever it might be. I, I don't know at the moment. No. So there'll always be some liquidity. But when you take correct me if I'm wrong, about 75% of all Bitcoin is on a hardware wallet locked up somewhere and it ain't, you know, you, you show these metrics that, you know, the long-term holders, Bitcoin that hasn't moved in a year, mine hasn't moved in nearly seven. <laughs> mine too. <laughs> you know, so yeah. take that into account. So it blows my mind. It, I, 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 just, I just don't think any of us really can comprehend what's coming. I really don't. Yep, we will be pleasantly surprised. Oh, bring it on, baby. Bring it on. <laughs> yeah, like similar, for example, at 2016, uh, people were very skeptic. They thought like Bitcoin's not going to go anywhere. And then Bitcoin literally made like, well, like 20x within like one year. So you might see something similar this time around. Why can't they do a 20x again? They're, they're liking it to 2017, aren't they? The, I call them the expert, the analysts that know what they're talking about. They are saying, I think you as well, uh, it looks very, very similar to 2017. So, yeah, 20X is so doable, I think. Uh, you know, Take the ETFs out, could be doable, but even more so now with, is it 12 applicants for ETFs? Crikey. Mind-blowing. Double digits, yeah. Mm. Yep. Um, Brian, and uh, okay, uh, lastly, where can people find you online? Whoa, let me do this. It's a lot easier, people. There are my links. Okay, so I'm all over Twitter, at UK Bitcoin Master. Um, I have got a podcast. It goes up on my podcast, which you can find if you're a listener on all the podcast platforms, the normal Apple, Google, etc., Spotify. Um, I've got, I think, over 600 videos at UKBitcoinMaster.com. QR code will take you there. Um, I've interviewed... I think over 80 
high-profile Bitcoiners at bitcoininterviews.com. That's only one of my playlists at YouTube, but bitcoininterviews.com takes you there. Um, Preston Pish, Larry Lepard, Greg Foss, um, Nat Brunel has been on. Um, oh, crikey, just so many of the... I say top names. I, I, it's the people I respect the most that are... They're not gaslighting. It's pure Bitcoin signal. And equally, Andre, if you look at if you look at Bitcoiners compared to crap coiners, yeah. um, Bitcoiners, they seem like on level ground. They're not full of hype. They come out with sensible arguments as to why this, why that. You know, they're not trying to shill anything. Um, so I, I, I just try to breed love's been on james lavish loads of them check it out at bitcoin interviews people there's there's some really good interviews over there um beyond that that's really where you can find me twitter i've mentioned i'm on noster in my show notes there is my npub on noster you can find those there um as well so yeah people come and support me as well because i can help the boomers I can help the people that are scared when they get in and don't want stuff that's too heavy like you cover. I couldn't do what you do. And if we collectively can save one noob from getting wrecked and putting their hard-earned money into a crap coin that is a pump and dump, then we all should be pulling together to try and make sure those noobs don't get rug pulled. That's my take. So come and follow me, people, every Monday Every Thursday, 6 p.m. London, UK time, which is 1 p.m. Eastern, um, until there's a silly clock change, but at the moment it's 1 p.m. Eastern. It'd be lovely to have some more followers. Got it, Brian. Thank you so much for doing this. Do you know, Andre, it's been a delight. Um, I'm always interviewing people, and it's really nice to have somebody ask me some questions so I can just let the hell loose. And uh, hopefully your viewers will get something from it. But it's been an absolute pleasure. It really has.